This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today. I'm so happy you're here. I'm Sandy Scarlatta. I was born in Virginia Beach and raised in the Baltimore Annapolis area and had very humble and tragic beginnings. And as a result, my life was a hot mess. Thankfully, 33 years ago, I got my act together. And since that time, I have dedicated my life to serving others and raising awareness that no matter what you've been through, you can choose happiness and live the life of your dreams. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging, and my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a choice, and the choice is yours. Today's episode is amazing, and I am so grateful for you. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to leave a review and follow me on social media at Coach Sandy Scarlatta. Enjoy the show. Matt Zeman, I'm so excited for this conversation today. How are you? Sandy, I'm doing well. Nice to be here. I'm excited as well. Yeah, so you are, I, I, have, I love in your, your bio, you say entrepreneur to psychonaut. Psychonaut, did I say that correctly? <laughs> You said it correctly. Yeah. Chief experience officer. Yeah. Chief experience officer and co-founder of Happy Me. So of course I want to talk to you because this is happiness <laughs> solved. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Lots of ways to solve for happiness. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And this is a conversation that I've only had. Um, there's a couple of ladies that have a podcast. Okay. That is all on the topic of psychedelics. And so I interviewed them. And um, so we're going to have that conversation. And I do want to, and I preface this in in that episode, and I'll say it again here. um, This is just a conversation about how to another form, an alternative form of healing. Um, We're not doctors saying that this is the end all be all everybody you have to do your research make decisions um on your you know be your own um mental health advocate and health advocate as always anyway so having said all of that i want to know your backstory to how you got to this mm. um point in your life where you're helping people release you know traumas um with the use of psychedelics. Sandy, I I was a typical entrepreneur and I just had built a bunch of businesses and was just kind of living my life. And in 2019, some friends said, hey, we hired this guy who's going to do a guided psilocybin journey. Do you want to participate? I was like, no, I don't think so. And they said, no, you, you do. You want to do this. You love learning. You love travel. This is like a journey within yourself. And why not do this? So I agreed and had very low expectations, thought it was a little bit woo-woo, and um, it just completely changed my, uh, it it exceeded every expectation, changed the way I look at the world. Um, I was able to reconnect with my mom who died when she was 49, I was 22. Um, I had kind of insight into insight into 
um, how I was living my life. And I finished it saying, I need to know more about what just happened. I went right back to school, got a master's in psychology and neuroscience, hyper-focused on psychedelics and, and uh, how they work, and have been just doing my own deep dive now since 2019 in this world. It's been, uh, it's been fascinating. I did not expect to be here. Wow. Yeah, sometimes, you know, life shows up in a way that we don't expect, mm-hmm. and yet, you know, we're put on a trajectory. I mean, I never thought I'd be talking about happiness and, you know, here I am over 200 episodes in. Well, by the time this is released, it'll probably be a lot more. Um, But at at time of this release, I think episode 204 is being released this week. And Mm -hmm. here we are in early May. So to give everybody a, a reference point. So, all right. So I have just a very high level understanding of psychedelics. It's something that has definitely piqued my interest, mainly because of all the trauma that I experienced in my, you know, as a child, really going back to when I was in my mom's belly. And, uh, you know, I had a biological, my biological father who passed away when I was 18 months old was extremely physically violent with my mother and my siblings. Um, and then of course there's just lots of other things, you know, through the, the course of your life that happens that 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 you experience these traumas. And while I've done alternative therapy and energetic work to help shift the vibrational frequency around the the traumas that I experienced, um, it's a lot of it's a there's so many layers there, right? When you say you're peeling the layers of the onion, I mean, that's just, that's such a overly used <laughs> example, yeah. but it's, but it's true, right? Because how else, you know, there's, you know, when you, you get to the point where I am in my life, I'm in my late fifties, you know, there, that's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that has been built up over the years. So when you say it changed your life in ways that you never expected. Can you just give us an idea of what things were like before you tried the psychedelic and what it was like after, just to give more of a, a detailed experience that you had? I'm, I'm happy to do that. First, I want to just acknowledge what you said. And, and so I appreciate you sharing that you've had these different traumas in your life, going back all the way into uh, into uh, your, your mom was still pregnant carrying you. Um, and then I also want to acknowledge that you said that, as we all do, we all have trauma. And I think only somebody who is, there, there's a number of people who I don't think realize that, that they've had, they just think it's life and they don't understand that, okay, maybe that, for me, as an example, I knew um, that my father was a, a challenging father, being an alcoholic, um, having the, uh, this rage that could snap. Um, but I didn't look at what that, how that played out in terms of how I react and then what I tried to create in my life and the people that I thought I could, uh, why am I such a good peacekeeper? So that was a role I was playing for all these years. Um, I didn't realize what the neglect, um, how that manifested in my life. Um, and, and like, okay, so I'm a lot of the behaviors I've exhibited, whether it's being an entrepreneur is was that to get their attention and to earn their love um, and, and to try to keep them interested in me? 
Did that impact how I behaved in school? Did that impact, I mean, so many different things. None of them are things I thought about before psychedelics. Mm. Um, I was just living my life and doing the best I knew how and knowing that I wasn't satisfied, but not sure why or even how to start thinking about um, that there's that there's an, there's another way to live. It just was. This was the level of anxiety. This was the level of depression. This was the level of just averageness. Um, and yeah, I didn't know what I didn't know where to look. And what's been incredible is realizing, learning that I just had to look inside. Don't have to do anything. I'm worthy of love. I don't have to do anything to earn your love. Um, I have plenty of love to give. Again, I didn't know any of this pre psychedelics. It's been uh been quite the journey of remembrance is what I like to say. That like, oh, I forgot I could feel this way. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. And um so my first book that I published was a novel that I wrote for young adults. It was fiction. And the second one was never released. It was supposed to be a series and um, I'm finishing it up and I'm going to put it out as one book. But the second book was called Beginning to Remember because hmm. we all have that knowledge within us. We've just forgotten about it because of society and being conditioned and life happens and you know, you're thrown so many curveballs and people tell you, you can't do this or you can't do that. And and you forget, you know, who you are. So how does a guided, because I, I do believe that, you know, this isn't something that you just go and do on your own. It really needs to be a guided experience. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but how, how does, how does the psychedelics work in terms of taking you back? I mean, it, it's altering some sort of your, your brainwave function. Just explain that a little bit. It is. I mean, so what we talked about is, is through the psychedelic process, you're able to reclaim your true self. Okay. You're able to remember what life was like before you got into the thinking patterns that we all get into. We all get into these grooves of repetitive thinking. Um, and some people, it can be, oh, everything's negative, everything's negative, or everything's gray, or... or victim or pick your flavor there's lots of patterns psychedelic um gives us for that experience a chance for different neurons in our brain to fire together that haven't fired together in a while mm. it slows it calms down it's called the default mode network it turns off that inner narrator that's constantly just talking to you and and saying things to you that you wouldn't allow your a friend to say to you um, I oftentimes very, very negative. It turns back down. These neurons start firing. And all of a sudden, instead of thinking just in the same, the same ski track you've been going down the mountain, this fresh coat of powder is laid and you can see anywhere you want. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. I forgot I could feel this or I could think like this. And then when the psychedelic medicine journey is over, you remember what that felt like. And then you can choose to take all sorts of different actions to then integrate that experience into your life. So what I tell people all the time is, this is there's no cure. This isn't a magic bullet. This isn't a panacea. Right. This is not going to cure anything. It's a catalyst for change. And when you choose to take a psychedelic, you are entering into a bio 
chemical, psycho, social, spiritual experience. And this is going to impact all sorts of different things if you let it. And it's, if you just treat it as biochemical, like people have thought about antidepressants as an example, that you're only going to get so much benefit. But if you can let it wrap around your entire life and you can leave that and try to get into a community that's going to be supportive or, or put some scaffolding up in your own community, and you can look at how does this connect you to a higher power and let the biochemical cycle things happen, it's incredibly powerful um, as a technology for, for, uh, for change and for, for spiritual connection. Mm. That sounds, I mean, it sounds... It sounds almost too good to be true, but I know that the people have been using this for very, very long like centuries. Time. Really, really, right? <laughs> Thousands of years. Thousands of there's years. Cave, okay. There's cave drawings in Africa that are 9,000 years old that show mushrooms. There's at least a thousand years of history here in the Americas. There's Siberian history. There's, I mean, it's, there's a lot of history with these, uh, these plants. We go back into the, the, the Greeks and the um, the Eleusian Mysteries, there's a lot of history of psychedelics being used for transformation. So we're talking, we're not talking LSD, like dropping acid, like they were doing in the 70s. I mean, I know, I guess there's different types, but you're, so, so what is it that you are suggesting? Let me just start there because not I don't want to make anything, any assumptions. But... <laughs> I don't want to make assumptions. I just know, um, I, I do remember, so you had asked me before we started recording my experience. So um, I'm an open book, as all my listeners know. I was 20 years old. I took a little bit of LSD, uh -huh. my girlfriend, and I don't know how long it lasted. It was, we were up until all hours of the early morning. Um, I just know that we were laughing and laughing and laughing we were probably at a gas station for about an hour trying to get a soda out of the machine and it was moving around. We just couldn't even do it. And we just went back home empty handed because we, we couldn't physically put a quarter in the soda machine to get it out. I mean, and this was obviously just short of being a teenager. I think it was right after I turned 20 years old and I tried it. Um, it was a, it was a fun experience. I never tried it again because I had heard so many people have really, really horrible, bad experiences. Mm. And I thought, you know what? I'm good. I don't need to try this ever again. So I never did it again. Um, I do I do remember my son coming home once and he had tried mushrooms with his friends. And I sat with him and, you know, it was it was an interesting experience watching him go through the range of emotions. Of course, I this was before any talk of psychedelics. So I had, mm -hmm. I'm just watching him and I'm just like just trying to be his mom, you know, and just be there with him and just like, oh my gosh, like I can't even believe. And then he was completely fine. I mean, I don't know that we never talked about it afterwards. Like, well, did you have any, you know, so so that's the the casual partying kind of use of of these, which I certainly do not promote in any way, shape or form, because I think that it does need to be guided. So how is it, can you walk us through what a guided experience is like and mm -hmm. how that, because it's a structured environment and you're- Absolutely. Right. Yeah, you, you brought up a bunch of things here. So let's just unpack a little bit. So <laughs> okay. there are multiple ways that people find their way to the psychedelic medicine these days. One path 
is the medical path. So in America, the only legal psychedelic is ketamine, and people are finding their way to ketamine. In addition to ketamine, there are clinical trials that have been going on on psilocybin or mushrooms. Um, MDMA is a big one. That one just finished the phase three clinical trials for post-traumatic stress disorder with incredible results. Just a quick side note, this was on treatment-resistant PTSD. So picture first responders, veterans, victims of sexual assault, where nothing's worked tried therapy, they've tried the existing medications, nothing's worked. Three sessions with MDMA, with therapy, 67% no longer have PTSD. Oh my gosh. Wow. It's that big of a number. Wow. So just again, perspective. So that's MDMA, yes. psilocybin is, is the mushroom. John Hopkins is doing things with end-of-life cancer patients, smokers, alcohol, all sorts of things. Um, so many people found their way in a clinical, clinical trial. So those are kind of the, the medical options. Uh, Colorado and Oregon have both are both creating frameworks for a legal medical model in their states. They've decriminalized some of the uh, psychedelics. So that's kind of one way people to get there. Second way people get there are through kind of psychedelic tourism. They're flying to the Netherlands, Jamaica, the Bahamas, uh, mm -hmm. Peru, Costa Rica, Mexico, and they're partaking in a uh, psychedelic ceremony. Or a retreat can be kind of just depends on the flavor, and that's kind of the psychedelic tourism. And then the third way is uh, through what I'd call um, some of these psychedelic churches, the religious freedom perspective. So they found their way to a, a psychedelic ceremony. They say, I have a sincere religious belief. This church agrees with me. And they found their way, and that could be the Native American church. It can be uh, there's a couple branches of this uh, ayahuasca church, and then there's a couple hundred other churches um i don't i the best result so you talked about uh the challenging experiences that you've heard people have and in a party setting yeah um when you're in an altered state people you don't know can be scary noises you're not expecting can be scary you're very vulnerable in this okay. alternate state so whether you go in the medical or you go for the religious, or, um, or you go for the medical tourism, or if I get up tourism, you're in a safe environment. That's one of the most important things that these things do, is they create a container where you know there's ground rules. Nobody's touching anybody. No, there's no sexual contact. There's no other medicine besides this. Everybody's gone through some type of medical intake. The sound is controlled. The food is controlled. Everything is controlled for your comfort. That's a okay. big deal. Okay. And then in these, uh, depending again on what you do, the medical model is typically a little bit more clinical, as you would expect. Now, some of them have gone to have these living room environments, and they've tried to make it more comfortable, but it's still a little bit medical. The ceremonial model is more ceremonial. So you're talking about musicians and mm -hmm. uh, and candles and smells and, and songs and things like that. Um, but what they both have in common is they're trying to create a container for you to, to meet you where you're at and to help you on this path of transformation. So for those who are more comfortable going the medical model, great. There's ketamine available and there's these tourist experiences. And for those of you looking for more of a ceremonial, there's again, tourist experiences in an underground world with, uh, psychedelic churches for, for you as well. Does that make sense, Sandy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, completely. 
So I've heard a lot of talk about how, and, and you mentioned the PTSD study, and that is absolutely phenomenal because amazing. we, we mm-hmm. need that just desperately with, um, my gosh, probably I would imagine a lot of the folks that are homeless probably have, you know, there's homeless veterans, sure. the suicide, all of that can, can be transformed. Yeah. What have I, what I'm curious about is, um, I have heard or read, I may have been listening to uh, Joe Rogan talks about it multiple mm-hmm. times on his podcast. So I've listened to some of his experts that he's have had on his, when it comes to like addiction or alcohol, mm-hmm. like I've heard that that's been really, and, and the, and the ladies that I had on my podcast, that was their experience with, with family members of using this to, um, you know, get over their, their alcoholism. Yeah, the results with alcoholism and smoking are, again, phenomenal. Um, Bill W., who's one of the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's right. Yes, I remember Yeah, this. really wanted LSD to be a part of the program. And uh, his organization disagreed at the time. But it's, it's so if you, there's actually some really interesting correspondence between him and Carl Jung um, about them. And oh, his take was when you when you look at the Alcoholics Anonymous and other 12-step programs, they have this premise of you have to hit rock bottom. And one of the things you do is you have to acknowledge that there's a higher power mm-hmm. that you're going to have a relationship with. And you're going to give yourself to that higher power to move forward. Okay, beautiful. Bill W's thesis was, for a lot of people, that's hard to do. Um, with one LSD session... They can have a transformative spiritual experience and understand that they're not alone. They're connected into this greater universe um, and that the root of that trauma or the root of the what's causing them to drink or to eat or to sex or to whatever, again, 12-step program, um, you can start to look at it without shame, blame, and guilt. So you've connected to a higher power. You start to look at this trauma and then you can move forward. And that to me is more than a biochemical experience. That is a, again, the psycho-spiritual, social experience that I think is the power of, uh, is one of the powers of this particular technology. Um, but yeah, we're seeing tremendous results in the research for people who've been addicted to a number of things and psychedelics often. Because um, again, it's all about repetitive thinking and trauma. You put those two things together and okay, my behavior, my manifestation of the trauma is I'm going to drink too much, I'm going to eat too much, I'm going to whatever, work too much, gamble too much. And uh psychedelics can help you unwind that. Wow. That's it's just phenomenal. So what types of services or programs do you offer um for your clients? So I'm associated with a company called Happy. And Happy is a telemedicine company that works with ketamine so people can come online so in our case in florida they can come online they can meet with a doctor they can if they are eligible they can get a prescription sent to their home and then we connect them with a guide who will help walk them through the preparation process what's your intention help them set that we give them music um, we give them journals and then they can go through their experience in the comfort of their own home with a with a sitter there with them. And then afterwards, that guide comes back and helps them unpack what we call integrate whatever that experience was. 
So that's that's how my the company I'm associated with um, works. But there's there are other companies that do telemedicine that are larger than others. So if you're in other states, um, those would be ones to look into. Mind Bloom and New Life and Better You are examples. There are people who prefer not to do the in-home model. They want to go into a clinic. And I would recommend to them, great, just ask a couple questions. What is your philosophy of what am I getting? Am I just getting an IV hooked up to my arm and then you're sending them away? Or are you giving me some type of preparation and intention setting and some type of integration? Not saying anything is wrong. Just if you're if you're looking for kind of a whole package, you may have to piecemeal it together if your provider doesn't do all that. Some do, some don't. Um, I would encourage you to try to find providers who look at the ketamine experience like a ceremony um, and bring that into it. The, the, from the research from John Hopkins says that that helps make it a more enriching experience. Um, and certainly the integration, um, the research shows that if you just do ketamine by itself, it, it is beneficial. But if you do it with this, whether it's therapy or coaching, it's even more beneficial. Which is something for people to think about. Um, if yes, the actual medicine is the same from one provider to another when you're talking about ketamine, but the way they deliver it varies, and it's worth uh, asking those questions as you're making whatever decision is right for you. Yeah, for sure. Because the integration. I mean, you know, I've been a life coach for certified since 2004, but I've been mm-hmm. doing it much longer. I can't imagine without that integration. People are going to be left, well, maybe, maybe not. They would be left a little ill-prepared to to really benefit fully from the experience. And also, if you're going to do it, you know, you, you want the full package, right? Like if, if you're going to take this step to do this, you want to get the most out of it. And that integration seems like a really key component to make it sense really, of it all. It really right? is, Sandy. You need, I mean, what ends up yeah. happening, in my, at least what I've seen, there are people who come to these retreats and these <clears throat> medical practices and they just do the medicine and they don't have an integrator. And it just, it quickly becomes just another experience. I did this. I went to Japan. I did mushrooms. Okay, great. Um, when you have an integrator or a coach of some sort who can work with you, that person can help remind you, you told me you were done with this. You told me this is what you wanted to do. And yet I haven't seen, I'm I'm not seeing the behavior. So now did you change your mind or are you stuck trying to figure out how to get out of this rut? I'm stuck. Well, great. Let's talk more about that. How do you be done with the path? And how do we start nudging towards the future? But you know what's right for you. And this is the, the, I mean, the what's great about a great coach, as you know, so you've been doing this for 20 years and, and some, it's, uh, it's that ability to help the person on their own realize or remember, oh, yeah. I want to get here. I can do this. I am smart enough. I have the skills. And I'm, if I'm aligned with my purpose, I can get there. I just sometimes need a little bit of reminding them of the coaching. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of coaches in this world. So something just came up for me and I wanted to see what you what you think. So behind me, I've got this little sign. You mm-hmm. won't be able to see it, but it says, it's a quote that I said on a friend of mine's podcast and he packaged it up and sent this to me and it was just so sweet. But it says, in order to grow, you have to be comfortable 
being uncomfortable. Do the psychedelics put you in that state of being uncomfortable? <laughs> right? They very much can. Yeah. We talk about, so people use the language of good trip, bad trip. And I don't, I don't agree with that. It's, it's good trip, challenging trip. <laughs> yeah. Chat, but what we, when you're in this, um, when you're getting ready for a psychedelic experience, again, doesn't matter if it's medical or religious, doesn't make a difference. It's, um, you're told you very well are going to see things that you don't like. Um, hopefully you're seeing them without shame, blame, and guilt, but that doesn't mean you're not scared of whatever it is you're seeing. And you're supposed to breathe into it. You're supposed to ask whatever it is, show me what you're here to teach me. So the example that I would give is on a psychedelic journey, um, I find myself back as an early teenager with a family member 10 years older who had had, I had had some inappropriate sexual contact with. This was mm. something that I had buried deep inside of me. Um, so deep that it wasn't, it wasn't even on my attention list. It wasn't even on my radar to even think about bringing it to a ceremony. Like it was so tucked away. Um, and all of a sudden I'm there. I was like, oh my gosh. And I could, without having to forgive the action, I could look at this person and say, okay, what was going on? They were rejected from their father. They were competing and losing against their sibling. They were having substance use challenges. They were rejected in all of these different areas and they just wanted to be loved. So again, don't have to, I don't have to forgive the behavior, but I can understand the humans and I could forgive the humans. Right. And and this would be over 30 years later, a long time. And all of a sudden, because I was no longer mortified or embarrassed about my behavior in this, I was able just to let it go. And now I can talk about it without my cheeks getting red and my ears burning or that pit in my stomach. And, um, but yeah, it was definitely uncomfortable to go through that. And I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to go through that. And in one session, to really, like I didn't even realize how heavy of a burden it was until it was gone. Um, now, was yeah. that something that you didn't have any recollection, recollection of because you had buried it so deeply or was it kind of oh, always no, there? Oh, no, it was there. It was, it was there, okay. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wouldn't talk about it or somebody would make a yeah. joke or something would happen. Well, because that's... That's got to be shameful. Of course it is, as a man especially, of course. Well, thank you for um, for sharing that with the audience. It's these types of conversations that uh, really help others. Yeah. I hope so. I hope that all of these, like what you're doing, Sandy, and then these types of conversations just normalize this. I mean, whether it's I mean, your story at 12, walking up the, uh, the steps and finding out about your brother, sound. Yeah, hugely traumatic. It is. A, it is. A, it is a memorable, life-changing conversation. And um, but we all have our things, and it's not a competition. Nope. It's just the things that make us who we are. And talking about it, normalizing it, um, talking about the feelings, especially again as a guy, it's like it's okay. We have feelings for a reason. We've evolved for all these millions of years, and we have cured us. They're there for a reason. And there are happy tears and there's sad tears that we're supposed to have these emotions of human existence, experience. Um, so I appreciate what you're doing and having these conversations. And uh, yeah, I think more of these are good. 
Thank you. Oh my gosh. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience that we haven't talked about before we finish up? <laughs> I'm happy. Um, I don't know. I, it's, uh, I think we've covered a lot of ground. Um, I, you talk about a happiness solve and, and, uh, I think I'd encourage people when you, if they're thinking about psychedelics, sure, are there pieces of it that can lead to happiness? Yes. Um, but it's also about just a rich, full life and knowing that you don't need anything external to, um, to have that. It's all inside. Yeah. That, uh, and yeah, again, it's, you can do years of therapy or years of meditation. And in a single psychedelic journey, you can make a lot of progress for those who, 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 it, who it works for. And for those who are working other paths, that's wonderful, too. Our meditation exactly. and breath work and churches and exercise and all sorts of other paths. And those are all great, too. This is just another technology that for those who are being called to it, it's, it's something not to be, uh, to be respected, but not nearly as scared as what we grew up being told that these are very very dangerous medicine if you look at the harm of alcohol and tobacco compared to mushrooms it's not even in the same zone not even in and, the same uh, zone no and we were just we just grew up in a prohibition so we we were just fed this just say no danger 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 and it's hard to get past that but uh yeah make your own decision do some reading there's a lot of resources out there for you all right well matt um where can people find you if they want to get more information yeah, uh, mattzeman.com is my site. There's a bunch of uh, little videos and there's a free guide to microdosing. And uh, I'm active on LinkedIn and Instagram. And, and whether it's me or somebody else in this space, just ask the questions. We're all here to serve. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to help any way I can. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. And for all the listeners out there, like you said, do your homework, do your research. And again, this is just, this is just another way. There's so many different paths you can take and, and this, is, this is one of them. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sandy. I certainly hope that you enjoyed today's interview. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.